Welcome to the Brinkman Podcast, episode 21, the podcast where we talk about the Brinkman Adventures, the audio drama. I'm Eric Schilder. And I'm Sarah Boltman. And we're here, and it's still summer in Wisconsin. And uh, with us, we have Ian. Why, hello there. (laughs) It's great to be here. And and he's here, here and, you know, we're, we're happy to have you back safe and sound. You just got done with a big, long trip, kind of traveling, crisscrossing the country. That's right. Um, it was 80 days on the road, nine people in an RV. An RV. And, you know, it's I've seen the RV. It's not super huge. It's a small RV. Yeah. <laughs> they call but it Mini. It's a Mini Winnie. A Mini. Yeah. <laughs> so who was all in the RV with you? It was me and Amy, and then Josh, David, Grace, Josiah, Evelyn, Peter, and Jude. Okay. And you all made it back safely, and I'm sure you've got some great, great stories uh, of your adventures out on the road. What's one that comes to mind? Well, there's one I can't tell you because it's PG-13. Okay. (laughs) Potty humor. Uh Okay. There's lots of that in RVs, but I will tell you one. Josh wanted to see New York City, so we went around and saw the skyline, and we couldn't go directly into Manhattan with an RV. Um, (laughs) I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah. (laughs) But my GPS kept trying to get me to go on a parkway. We're trying to get north of New York City, and it kept saying, exit now. Only problem is, is the exit said, passenger cars only. And so I'd, I'd bypass the exit and go to the next one, and my GPS would say, exit now. And I'm like, no, it, I, I'm a passenger vehicle, but I think it means cars. And so I kept driving, and, and and then I came to a spot where it says, last exit before toll road. And I got on a toll road once this summer, and it was awful. It was like every block I was getting pulled over to pay a toll. And so I was like, that's not going to happen again. We will go on the passenger vehicle only exit. So I did a UE, got back on the highway. I exited onto this parkway, which was a one-way pipeline, Mm -hmm. 50, 60 mile per hour traffic. And I noticed there's no trucks. I'm like the biggest thing on the road. And I started to get a little worried. And so I asked Amy to check her, her, we have an app that talks about everything that's necessary to know if you're an RV traveler, where to sleep, where to get LP. What's and the name of that app? It's a great app. We'll give a shout out to All Stays Camp and RV, best $9.99 you can buy if you're a traveler. So anyway, it also tells low clearances. And so I said, Amy, check the app and see if there's any low clearances on this parkway. Mm-hmm. And she said, they're everywhere. So I pulled off, looked at it, and I was mortified because... Everywhere are low bridges. And if you drive a big RV, that's a problem. And so I saw that if I got off right away, I would get onto another one-way highway. Mm -hmm. And there was a bridge a mile up the road, but there was an exit before the bridge, and I could get off back into the city. Mm -hmm. And so I got back on, exited onto the new parkway. I saw the bridge. And to my dismay, the exit was on the other side of the bridge. And so I pulled off into the merge lane and stopped so here I sat in the merge lane, dead stopped, two lanes next to me going 50, 60 miles an hour of steady traffic, looking at this big bridge that had the numbers 10 foot, 10 inches on it. How tall is your RV? 11 foot one. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I told my wife, Amy, I have no idea what to do right now. They're going to have to shut this whole highway down to get us out of here. I don't, I don't know what to do. Is your RV still there? Yeah, no. <laughs> Y'all walked off. You know, let's let's uh, let's wait till the end of the uh, podcast to find out exactly what happened there. Making uh, us wait. 
Yeah, well, we're going to make you wait. Okay, you know, we got to build some excitement and some things into that. To that. Well, we're talking about exciting, you know, exciting audio drama. So we might as well <laughs> yeah, add, right. an, add a little exciting uh, podcast. But, you know, I was thinking, uh, I was kind of following you again online, you know, sort of what you were doing and where you were and, and some of those things. And one of the things that, that I was thinking of that struck me was that, you know, you're, you're traveling around and the fact that you had nine people crammed into a mini Winnie aside, you know, when you're doing that much traveling on the road, there's lots of unexpected things that come up. I mean, you make a plan and you try to sort of execute the plan, but, you know, I think it was a civil war general that said no, no plan uh, survives first contact hmm. with the enemy. And that all the time as as you're moving forward, you're really having to rely on God to not only keep you safe, but also to provide the things that you need moving forward. You know, you always think about when you're running low on gas and it just happens to be that one gas station that happens to be open five minutes late or, mm -hmm. you know, those kinds of those kinds of things. And that's actually what we're going to be talking about uh, on today's podcast is uh, actually the episode is called The Provider. It is from season one. It's episode nine. And it's got a lot of great boat things in it. Oh, it's um, a great episode. Uh, I love this one. You know, and, and it just brings you right, right into the action. Yeah, you know, and and let's face it, you know, Alaskan fisheries are kind of a hot thing right now, and mm -hmm. and we're here, we're right on Lake Michigan, and uh, that's right, I, looking I, out the window. Uh, in in this episode, actually, let's let's go ahead and play a clip. This is Kim. Do you copy? Mark, a pilot's calling on the radio. This is the Armageddon. Go ahead, Tim. Mark. Can you turn your scrambler on? I have some confidential information for you. Sure, one moment. Can you hear me now? Loud and clear. I'm heading your way, and right now I'm about 90 miles from you, flying over Port Hyden. Yeah, I know where that is. What's up? Mark, this bay is plugged with herring. There must be more than 10,000 tons. It's unbelievable. That's not possible, Tim. They don't even go into that bay. It's too shallow. Maybe you're seeing capelin fish. They're like smelt and look a lot like herring from the air. Fairly certain these are not capelin. Okay, Tim. Hey, thanks for the info. Talk to you soon. Armageddon out. Jerry, did you hear that exchange? Yes, Mark. There's never been a fishery there. I'd suspect capelin in Fort Hyden. But if it is herring, Jerry, think about it. 10,000 tons and no other boats? I'd be surprised if Fish and Game would let us fish. Besides, we'd need a big tender with that volume. I think we should at least check it out. I agree. We'll leave right now and run through the night. Okay. I'll deliver these fish to the cannery and then visit the Fish and Game office. Don't let the other boats see you leave. All right, guys. On time from the Millennium. Turn off our lights. We're going dark. Stealth mode. I love it. So, we casually motored out of the bay with our running lights off, hoping the rest of the fleet didn't see us. Once we rounded the corner, we took off full speed for Port Hyden. Cool. Awesome. How far away was it? About eight hours. We took turns driving, but none of us slept. The thought of thousands of tons of herring with no other boats around seemed too good to be true. No kidding. We're here, guys. Wow. This bay is really shallow. Mark, I just arrived. I see you down there. Turn your scrambler on. 
Okay, Tim, I'm scrambled. What do you see? Are they still here? I can't see anything, Mark. Stand by. I knew it. We missed them. They probably left the bay last night. What a waste. There's a glare on the water. I'm circling back for a better view. Roger. Mark, I'm sorry. What? Nothing? Oh, really? I'm sorry I have to tell you this. There are more fish than yesterday. Uh, what? <laughs> All right! No, Jim! That wasn't nice! Sorry, I couldn't resist. There are literally fish everywhere. You're right on top of the school. Get your snagging poles out and please tell me they're herring. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love stealth mode. <laughs> Yeah, that's every so fisherman's exciting. dream right there, to find a huge bay full of herring and no other boats around. I bet it is. And it happened. It, I mean, was, it was a dream. All right. Well, let's, let's, let's get back a little bit to kind of the this, this setup is that, you know, Jack is telling this story, obviously, years later. And uh, he was out of work and they were a young couple uh, going to Bible college in Alaska. So who was this actual person that experienced this? That was us. That would be you. <laughs> I have a question before we get into the story. A lot of these episodes, especially the end of season one, features a very mean aunt who is getting them into this recording business. And at the beginning of this episode, oh, you yeah, hear right. that. Ver Veronica, right? Veronica, Aunt Veronica. Veronica. So can we go into that a little bit? I'd love to hear your thoughts, Ian, on why you chose to do this, how it kind of came about, and the results of the Aunt Veronica saga. Because it's, it started in this episode. You know, they need money, and so it's set up that there's going to be something that's going to happen. So why did you do this with Aunt Veronica? We wanted a bad guy. And oh. in this case, it was a bad girl. We thought it, we need to have a villain, and and the worst villain is one that betrays you, and Aunt Veronica is is a brother or a sister to Jack, and so and she betrays him and uses him. So we thought, what a terrible villain! And so we made Aunt Veronica, and we've talked about bringing her back. Hmm. Every year we talk about Aunt Veronica, <laughs> and she actually got written into a script, and it wasn't quite right, so she got written out. Mm -hmm. Remember that? Yeah, we have talked about that, and it's. It's kind of a fun thing to think about, but she's so terrible. She's a mean person. She is. And I, I have kids that don't like her. <laughs> I don't like her because people ask, which one of the sisters are you, Aunt Veronica? <laughs> and the Not truth me. is, I have eight sisters, and, yeah. and none of them are Aunt Veronica. Yeah. I have great just sisters. just made her up. Yeah, so we thought, let's make a completely different person who's older than me. I'm the oldest of 11, so we made a sibling older than me and made her bad. And there is no Aunt Veronica, no no sister who's evil and terrible. But one thing I do think is very interesting is the whole thing with Aunt Veronica is she's getting the Brinkmans to become actors for a television show. And it's fun because at the same time, the kids were acting for the Brinkman show. So it kind of did parallel a little bit of what was going on in the family. That's true. That's true. And stay tuned for Aunt Veronica because, Sarah, we've been talking about her. She may and, have popped back in. And some other things that have been going on with another mm -hmm. one of our siblings. And so... Yeah. There's a cool story in the works. Yeah, you got to bring back the villain. Yes, you have I, think, to, I think she will come back. You have to have because everyone's so nice, you know. That's right. <laughs> Flawed but nice. So that's right. So yeah, the the episode starts off with with Aunt, mm -hmm. Aunt Veronica, and then that leads Jack into telling this story, which is actually Ian's story. And so, can you tell us a little bit more about? Roughly, you know, when this was, how many years ago or? Yeah, Amy and I were newly married. Uh, we had Alyssa 
and I was attending Alaska Bible Institute and I needed a job and I got a job on the Armageddon and uh, yeah, just had a great time in the summer. Amy was um, a fisherman's wife, they call them in Homer, Alaska, um, where the wives are by themselves all summer. They hang out together and miss their husbands. We talk on the single sideband radio occasionally, but um, yeah, I'd be gone for months at a time. And um, it was a it was a fun experience that got old after three or four years, and I stopped doing it because I started realizing this was dangerous and it was harder and harder to be apart mm-hmm. from my family. But um, it was a it was a fun experience, and for for some single guys, man, it's a it's a great way to make a lot of money and have a, have a really cool adventure. I saw stuff that that you see in National Geographic. It was, wow. it was really fun. What for you was the hardest part about being a commercial fisherman? Well, you know, it was, it was interesting. I, I've told my dad this story before. He, you know, he tried to get me to work, be a good worker. Mm-hmm. And as a young kid, I wasn't very good at working. I was, I'd forget things, and he wasn't wasn't faithful in getting jobs done. And I think I caused my dad a lot of frustration growing up. And he tried really hard, and we had some run-ins. I remember during the dishes. I liked it when you were around because he would always make us laugh. He would like dress up as a clown and be so <laughs> funny, but he wasn't working. I was, oh no! <laughs> I wasn't oh, a very no. good worker. And um, I remember one day, it was my job on the boat to to pull the anchor at five in the morning. Mm-hmm. And one day I was sleeping in my bunk, and then I heard Captain Mark start the engine on the Armageddon, and I heard oh. <laughs> he pulled the anchor himself. And I was running the skiff. My job was to be in another boat. To, um, so I had to get up early before the rest of the crew and get in the skiff. And um, I, remember, I remember Mark came down, and I was still in my bunk. And he said, are you going to get up? And it was, it was like a light went on for me at that moment. And I realized, I'm a bad worker. And, I, and it really switched, and I really changed. Something happened in, in that moment. So God used Mark, who was a, one of my Bible school teachers, actually, oh. at Alaska Bible Institute. Okay. And God used Mark to kind of wake me up and, and help me grow up a little bit that way. So, yeah, it, it, it impacted me, commercial fishing. It was, it was really good for me. I imagine commercial fishing will make someone grow up. <laughs> I remember, quickly. yeah, I remember a captain said to me, a different captain that I had, I had jellyfish in my eyes and jellyfish sting. And mm-hmm. so when you're pulling the net in, I had them hanging all over my nose and my eye, my face and they were burning and, and I was complaining about it. And, and Phil Slaybaugh was my captain on the Lady Anne. And Phil said to me, Ian, it's mind over matter. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter. The wisdom from the sea. Yeah. <laughs> the hardened but captain he, he helped, says. But he helped us to toughen up. Yeah, we learned how to toughen up. I'd we like did. to see you with jellyfish all over your face. <laughs> we didn't do sports as, a, as kids in, in a big homeschool family. Sports didn't happen really. And so, yeah, this really helped me t- toughen up. Now, how, how big was the boat? I think in the episode you mentioned how large the boat was. but 50 foot. 50, 50 foot. 50 foot, yeah. Okay. 50, 52 or 50. All right. And <clears throat> how many people were in a crew? I think we had five, four or five, depending on the on the season. We did herring, and we'd have I think we had one extra guy for herring, and for salmon we'd have four. The captain and three of us, okay. two guys doing nets, pulling the net in, and then one guy running the skiff, which is a small like a jet boat that pulls on the big boat as the nets coming in. So okay. that was my job. So I had a kind of a cush job. I got to sit out there and <laughs> out out there in the sea and, yeah. and just work on the uh, the speedboat. So. You had five people crammed into this ship. I don't know if 50 foot is, was it a lot like being in the Winnebago or? <laughs> it actually was. Yeah, very much. 
Only it, it rocked much it, more uh, than the Winnebago. Yeah, I would imagine so. And this was at a time when they had the, I forget what they call it, the um, the type of fishery where it's it's not, you're not limited to a certain amount of money. It's just open for a particular amount of time. Oh, right. Yeah, a flash opener. A ra- we called it rodeo fishing. Uh, rodeo yeah, fishing. Cra- crazy, yeah. Right. And I think s- they still do it, actually. Yeah, and in in the episode, what was it? Fifteen minutes or something like that, or something what? like that. Yeah, Fifteen re- or twenty, and, and then they they kind of assess. Fishing game will mm-hmm. assess and, and see how much, um, how many people, how much, how much fish has been caught. And I think they actually probably have to wait for the day because they see how much is brought into the tenders, the boat that right. is carrying the fish, and then yeah, and then the next day they may have another opener for twenty minutes or ten minutes. All right, so you never really, you're not, again, it's kind of one of those things where you're not, you can make plans to be out there, but they could just close the fishery. Right, and another problem is that it takes a week to get out there, and I think we say this in the episode, you, you spend a lot of money to get there, a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of fuel and food, and, and you get there, and there could be no fishery, or you can make your one set and mess up, and and then lose everything and have to come back in the hole. And so because of that, a number of us would co-op together. Mm-hmm. We would combine our catches and um, there was a number of Christians, they call us the God Squad. Oh, and, that's great. Uh, yeah, we'd, we'd all share a pilot, so there might be five boats mm-hmm. and we'd take the nastiest boat and he'd block for us. So he would actually, when we would sc- um, grab a school, before the opener, the, the plane would be flying over us and he'd say, okay, you have a big school underneath you. Well, Everybody knows that school's there, and mm-hmm. so you have to kind of stake it out, and you have to get in position so that when the thing, when the opener starts, you're in the position on the inside so that your neck can scoop them. Oh, and so, okay. And so there's a lot of jockeying, like, minutes before, and people are bumping each other with their boats trying to get that inside position, and so we would have the big aluminum boat. Um, he was kind of our blocker, and so he could mm-hmm. go in and kind of push, and it's really crazy. It's it sounded very chaotic mm-hmm. in the episode with all the things going on, and of course, you know this doesn't work out for for our people That's in the true. story, does it? And actually, it's 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 interesting. The audio from that episode is from my video camera. I brought a video oh, camera, really? and so videotaped a lot of those openers. Okay. And so that's the real thing that you oh, hear. That's really you cool. can actually hear the real Mark and the real Jerry Google at times yelling in the background. Wow! So it, and then it's true that it happened when you guys made your set you caught flounder that's right we actually our pilot pilot um i think he went off somewhere else and so mark our captain captain mark edens was a was a brilliant sonar guy and so he really could find fish using Mm -hmm. the depth finder and so he found a big school we made a set on it um we thought we had a big set of fish 100 200 tons and um i forget the exact amount but it was big and we start pulling it in and they were all flounder couldn't sell them. Oh, you can't. You couldn't sell no, them. No, not either. worth a thing. Nobody wanted them. Everyone's there for herring, and herring. so we had to let them go. We got skunked. Mark Mark hardly ever got skunked, but he got skunked, and it was sad. He got skunked this time. So you know, I think I think we've all been there where you're kind of planning on something, and then it it turns out to be just nothing, a big goose egg. You know, mm-hmm. whether it's a job interview mm-hmm. or, you know, I've had that too where, you know, I've been out of work and, oh yeah, this this job will be perfect for me or whatever. And then, nope, you know, and then you got that long ride home. And in this case, the long ride home is, is like a week. Right. And, but, but something happened on the way home, right? Yeah. We went by Moeller, which is a, a spot that we normally wouldn't fish. Some guys who are diehards would would stick it out for a week at Moeller, but the fish weren't very good. So we went past Moeller and went through Falls Pass, and we were heading back 
across towards Kodiak Island and then to Homer. Mm-hmm. And it was the middle of the night. And I think Jerry, Google, and Mark Eans were talking on the phone, on the radio back and forth. I think Mark was just kind of, you know, pondering Moeller and thinking that maybe they should go back. And, and, and that's when Jerry, I think Jerry said, I'll go with you. If you want to do it, I'll go with you. Mm-hmm. And I remember the next the next morning we he had turned around and so when we woke up as a crew we were back in False Pass, and we're like, "What's going on here?" <laughs> and and Mark and Jerry, you know, there's you know you can have mutiny on these boats where these mm-hmm. guys you can imagine you're gone for a month and everyone wants, wants to see their family and it's like, um, and now we're going back to the same spot that we got skunked and I think maybe Mark and Jerry were still a little unsure and so that's when we so let's call our wives and see what our wives think. Mm-hmm. And each one of the women that we talked to said, go back to Moeller. It's fine. And that's n- not typically the response that we would get from our wives. You our wives come were, home. were normally come like, home come now. home. Yeah. yeah. But they're like, we think you should turn around and go back. And so that was that was the first thing that was kind of telling where we thought, hmm, maybe God wants us to go back to Moeller. So we did. Hmm. And if you had not gone back to Moeller, you wouldn't have gone to Port Hyden because Port right. Hyden is really where you found the right. amazing hidden gem that's it's right. never there, right? It's never been there before. It never was before or after. So we were in Moeller, and the, as the story tells, you know, Mark made another set. Our pilot was on his way back. Mark made a sonar set. Jerry was going to be our tender. The tender is the boat that takes the fish. And Mark made a set, a great set, I don't know, 20, 30 tons. We filled up the Millennium, and that's when we got this amazing radio call from our pilot, Tim. He said, turn your scrambler on. I got some news for you. So that... that- that's a very accurate That's portrayal how it happened. of what exactly happened. So we turned it on and he said, I'm over in Port Hyden and it's completely full of fish. And J- I think Jerry was like, no, it's it's not, it's Capelin. It's not herring. It's got to be Capelin. It's too shallow. And um, Tim's like, no, I think these are herring. Mm-hmm. I'm almost sure these are herring. And so that's the dream that everybody has. You know, the fishing hole that is full of fish and there's no one on the river. No and one there. That's yeah. the dream, right? And so here we here we were, and we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of fish. Mm-hmm. It's big money. And there's no one there. And so we did just like the episode uh, depicts. We um, Jerry said, I'll go try to do the politics with the fishing game. So um, Jerry would go talk to them while we would sneak up the bay. And so we... Got there and, and, and it was got your fish and it was full of herring. We had huge sets and we plugged the, the tender, the provider, and another another tender. And God used that to provide for all these these guys who were in ministry. Actually, mm-hmm. so it was really a neat neat story. So of, we we come all the way full circle back to <clears throat> that God is the provider. That we make the plans and yeah. that, but it's it's God in His sovereignty who who arranges things and who is is truly our provider. I mean, I think we see that. I mean, there's there's a lot of passages of Scripture that, that speak to that. I think the big lesson in this episode was a lesson that I had to learn and that we still have to go back to. The idea that we spend what we need today and trust God for the manna tomorrow. And uh, I think in late off, Jack has this real touching uh, phone call with his dad and his dad encourages him. 
and just just spend it. And in, in real life, that was Al Carpenter, one of our Bible school t- teachers, mm-hmm. who I went to just in tears. And he said, "Ian, you know, trust God. You have some money in the bank. Spend it on your daughter who needs to see the doctor, and mm-hmm. and trust that He'll provide tomorrow." And so, um, so for us, that's kind of how we live our lives is is trusting God. And even recently, we were um, we had a bunch of dental bills, and my wife was getting frustrated, and she just wrote the check. Okay, seven hundred dollars for these these dental bills and um, frustrated, but trusting, okay, God, you're going to provide tomorrow. And sure enough, in the lobby at church, somebody came up to us and gave us a, a, a card, an Easter card, I think. And, and it was seven $100 bills, or I mean, it was like almost at the dollar what we had spent. And so um, God does that. He continues to do that for us. And, and I know um, Christians all over the world can attest to God providing, just like you said, Eric, for you, how he, he's faithful. So he he provides. That kind of brings us full circle around to uh, your RV story. All right, the RV story. (laughs) I said, Amy, I have no idea what to do here. I looked online and to see if my RV was maybe shorter than it really was, but it wasn't. It was 11 foot one. And so um, as I was looking at this bridge, I'm like, I think it might be higher in the center. It might be sloped a little bit. I wonder if it's 10 foot 10 on that side, but in the middle we could squeak under. I crawl up on the roof of the RV to see what would get knocked off. It was mm-hmm. my air conditioning unit. So Josh said, I think you're right, Dad. So we're like, all right, guys, buckle up. It's the only thing we know how to do. Oh, how scary. So we all buckled up and um, prayed. And I got over in the far lane and we snuck under and did not touch. Wow. Did you go fast or slow? Fast because the traffic was flying. And so I actually oh, had to wait so for scary. about five minutes for a hole in the traffic. I'm like, God, give us a hole so we can get back on. And waited and waited. And finally, I just floored it with this RV and it took off like a race car. Oh, <laughs> and I'm we so went glad. all the way over to the far side. Decapitate it. I know. It would have taken our air conditioning unit off, if anything. But we made it. And... um and wow. it was, we were all shaking when we got out, but we made it. You made it. You know what I thought you were going to say you did? You took the air out of the tires and it went over on the rims. Rattle, 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 Then something else would have would have gone wrong. But I've just got in my mind this picturing this, this oh, you know, brown, whitish uh, RV or something like that, you know, peeling out in the gravel, <laughs> swerving into traffic, and then, you know, making it just under there. So nothing's too small for God. So, but, you know, we, we love to hear those kinds of stories. Um, and so if, if you have any, uh, any stories, any of the listeners have stories, yeah. feel free to uh, contact us. You can come to our website and you know, fill out a form and uh, fill out a, a, a comment or something like that and yeah. contact us with some of your stories because we'd, we'd love to to hear. It's, it's an encouragement to us and sometimes we can share that encouragement with others. Mm-hmm. And so... And you might just hear it on a Brinkman adventure. Uh, yeah, that's that <laughs> we, we, mind a lo- we mind a lot of stuff uh, for the adventures as they come through. So... We'd, uh, so go on over to uh, BrinkmanAdventures.com and leave a comment. And if you enjoyed the podcast, uh, you know, tell your friends or like us or do whatever the do whatever the current thing is that you've got to do on that. So that about wraps it up for this episode. So uh, I'm Eric Schilder. And I'm Sarah Boltman. And we will talk to you next time. Have Bye-bye. a lovely day. Bye-bye.